It's Lucky Abdallah, weeknight 6 to 8, right here on ESPN 1000. If you want to join us tonight, you can call us at 312-332-3776. If you're just tuning into the station today, uh, you missed a lot in regards to the Chicago Bears. <laughs> a ton of stuff happened. Uh, there were press conferences at Hallis Hall with Matt Eberflus, with Ryan Poles, with Kevin Warren. We'll hear clips of all three of them throughout tonight's show. Uh, there was a lot to take from the news uh, earlier today. Luke Getze and most of the offensive coaching staff, they were let go. They were fired earlier today. Matt Eberflus is retained back in the mix. So he now has to go out and find an offensive coordinator, a coordinator who will either work with Justin Fields or work with a top pick rookie quarterback going forward. He also has to go out and find a defensive coordinator for his defense uh, here in this offseason. And then Ryan Poles, a part of that decision-making to retain Matt Eberflus, which many people in this city wanted a new head coach heading into next year after this 7-10 and 10 start to the season. So a lot to react to. And then also we'll get to Kevin Warren, uh, a true professional. And if you're a Bears fan, it's refreshing to have someone at the top of the organization command the room, answer the questions, and lead the franchise like Kevin Warren is and like he was doing earlier today in front of the media. Because I think most Bears fans are not used to a polished uh, response and, and presentation coming from the top-level exec of the franchise, like Kevin Warren brings to the table. Like, he brings, uh, you know, he brings expertise, uh, experience, and uh, I feel comfortable with him running the show for the Chicago Bears. So there's a lot to get to tonight over what we saw at Hallis Hall er- earlier today. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, this is a a time of somewhat transition for the Bears because both uh, Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus really uh, praised Justin Fields while also not saying that, hey, it's not like we're not going to look at all the quarterbacks in the draft and do all that kind of stuff and weigh all of our options. Um, I think that, you know, people, a lot of people, we took a ton of phone calls last night about Jim Harbaugh and saying that, you know, if you can upgrade, upgrade. I was surprised that Ryan Poles said, whether it's true or not, that he went through and did not call any other coaches that have been, you know, whether they've been let go or whether it was Jim Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh's agent, that that was there. Um, I think the other thing, too, is is going to try to find an offensive coordinator that doesn't know necessarily what they're walking into right now, right? Like, you have to hire an offensive coordinator, and you have to tell that person that Ryan Poles, and Ryan, look, in the meeting, it might be different. In the meeting, Ryan Poles might say to that offensive coordinator, look, we're moving on from Justin. I'm going to look for a trade partner, and I'm drafting a quarterback, and I need your help finding that quarterback. But as far as you and I, the rest of the Bears fans are concerned, they're going into these meetings with offensive coordinators and saying, hey, we want you to be our offensive coordinator. It could be with Fields. It could be with a new quarterback. We don't know yet because we haven't made a decision on what to do with Justin Fields and what to do with this first overall pick. I think that a little bit might have been given away from what Ryan Pulse said and what Matt Eberflus said. Matt Eberflus' exact quote was, this is a long game. We're playing the long game. We're not looking to turn this team into a flash-in-the-pan, one-off playoff team, right? They want to build sustained success. And I wonder, and, Matt, and Ryan Pulse echoed that, and I'm wondering if he's looking at this first overall pick and what you can get in return for that pick. 
And we've talked about it before, the rumors that you could get a first-round pick in 2025, a first-round pick in 2026, maybe recoup that second-round pick for Montez Sweat. Maybe you don't, and you get a player from a team. Like, if you move up, if the Raiders want to move up, maybe it's Max Crosby or something like that. Like, there are ways to build this football team and stick with Justin Fields as the quarterback because they went out of their way to praise him. And I think that that is intriguing as well to Ryan Poles after listening to him today. Uh, to get everyone on the same page, here's Ryan Poles earlier today at Hallis Hall. Did he talk to Jim Harbaugh? No, I haven't talked to Jim. Ryan, why, why is this coach like, from Michigan? He was not a consideration. You know, you didn't see him as a. No, you know. like I said, we're, we're going with Matt, and uh, I gave the reasons why. Um, I think go through. You know, I didn't. I didn't go talk to anybody. Ryan Poles also talked about the first pick in the draft, and he praised the quarterback, Justin Fields. We are going to turn every to- every stone to make sure that we are going to make a sound decision for our organization. Um, I did think Justin got better. Um, I think he can lead this team. Um, but at the same time, there's a unique situation where I have to look, and our staff has to look at everything. Um, and that's exactly what we're going to do. Matt Eberflus talked about Justin Fields, his improvement. You know, we love where Justin is right now. He's done a good job growing um, you know, in the interceptions, you know, keeping those down. You know, the sack totals, he's doing a good job with that. You know, having his eyes down the field, uh, he's done a wonderful job with that. You know, being able to uh, deliver some strikes down there, and he'll continue to grow um, as we grow this football team. Eberflus also talked about moving on from offensive coordinator Luke Getze. As you guys saw this morning, we made the changes, right? We made some adjustments to the offensive staff, um, and we felt that, you know, when you looked at the growth um, and the development um, and the improvement, it wasn't where it needed to be. And that's why those changes were made. We're looking forward uh, to uh, looking at and talking to and hiring a new offensive coordinator. Uh, that's going to improve our team. You know, that's going to do a great job uh, improving and being aggressive and, and doing the things that it takes to win football games. And we're looking forward to that uh, for sure. Matt Eberflus, why fire Luke Getze? Yeah, just the, you know, the growth and development of the, of the offense, you know, to me, uh, needed to be uh, better than what it was. And, uh, you know, to me, you know, you look at the passing game, certainly that's one aspect of it. And uh, that, that's where it is. And uh, we decided to move on uh, from that. And again, that was my decision. Um, obviously conferring with uh, you know, Ryan and George and Kevin. And, and uh, we made a decision this morning. And Ryan Poles praises Matt Eberflus. Coach Flus, his leadership through hard times. Um, we had some adversity early in the season, in the middle of the season. Uh, his ability to stand strong and, and keep the team together was incredible. Um, he, his ability to adapt and adjust as we went along. You know, he had sudden change in terms of his role. And I thought we benefited from that. I thought we got better from that point. And I'm really happy for him. That all took place earlier today at Hallisall. Abdallah, you mentioned a theme that we heard from both Kevin Warren, Matt Eberflus, and Ryan Poles. The, the, they don't want to be just a playoff team once, the pop-up, and then kind of not sustain the success. They want to build something where they're good for a very long time. I would say the one critique, though, on this situation would be looking at it overall and just saying, you didn't make the playoffs, though. Like, Matt Eberflus hasn't accomplished anything. So, like, like when you look at that and you look at the entire situation, mm-hmm. like, I get that you want the sustained success and just changing to make change doesn't really necessarily do anything. But you're also, you keep referring to, you don't want to make the playoffs just once. You haven't made the playoffs. Like, did, uh, did you catch that, too? Yeah. They kept referring mm-hmm. how they didn't want to make the playoffs just once. 
You haven't made the playoffs yet with this regime. All three of them have yet to make the playoffs with this franchise. Yeah, and I, I think that that's part of the reason that they they kept Matt Eberflus, right? Like, I think that they're looking at it, and I keep going back to that Matt Eberflus quote, we're playing the long game. It might be a long con, but we're playing the long game, right? They look at the, the progress, three wins to seven wins, right? If it, it, Ryan Poles was asked about the three wins that they lost, in, or three losses that came in the fourth quarter, right? If they're a better roster next season, I believe they think that those turn into wins. You're talking about a 10-win team, right? If, if you get Justin Fields, Justin Fields, now he didn't win a couple of those games because he was injured, but he played better this season. He looked better yeah. with a better offensive line, with a better wide receiver in DJ Moore. And if you go out and you use one of your picks on a wide receiver, if you add a left tackle, if you add a center, whatever it is you do, they praise Braxton Jones pretty uh, vehemently too as well. I don't think they were going to say anything bad about any player. That's not what they do. Um, but if you get a better offensive line, like I think they're still looking at this, well, how much better can he be next year? And they have to consider everything, right? You have to consider resetting your financial status at the quarterback position and getting five years or four years before the fifth-year option of cost control by drafting Caleb Williams or Drake May or Jaden Daniels or whoever they decide on, you know? Um, and I think that that's – they're looking at sustained success rather than just if they made the playoffs this year and they would have kept – like if they made the playoffs this year, and we're not having this press conference and we're not doing this, if we're talking about a playoff game this weekend against whoever it is and they end up losing that playoff game, are they firing anybody? Are they no. firing Getze? No, I think are everyone's they back. Everyone's yeah. back. So they have to look at the long, the long game as they're saying. We liked what we did on the field. There are areas where we need to improve. Offensive coordinator. The Half of the offensive staff was fired today. So I think that they believe that if they get a different offensive coordinator and continue to build this roster, that this could be a playoff team next year. And that's why I think he's going to strongly consider uh, selling the first overall pick because then you build your roster for sustained success. I don't necessarily agree with it. I think we've seen everything we can see from Justin Fields in a Bears uniform. But that's what they may be thinking up there. Towards the end of the season, I, there was a Thursday night you were off. I, I was here by myself, and the topic was it feels as if Justin Fields is improving enough, Matt Eberflus has the team playing for him, and it felt like to me at that time, I'm, I think we are talking like three weeks ago, um, at that time it felt like Luke Getze was going to be the scapegoat for why things didn't work the way they were supposed to this season. Mm -hmm. And it felt towards the end of this year that each week that kind of passed, it was going to point to Getze as the guy that needed to go, even though you could argue there would be upgrades out on the market for a head coach. Like, I understand they want stability. I think it's crazy that they didn't reach out through back channels. I know they may not say that publicly, but I'm surprised that they didn't say, uh, you know, we did our homework and we think that Eberflus is the way to go. If that was the stance, I wouldn't be annoyed with it because I think that would signal at least they attempted to find out mm -hmm. if some of these other options were interested. But the fact that they, they're refusing to say that publicly and it's just only Eberflus and they didn't consider that, I think that's a major miss. Yeah. I think this roster is good. I think they're ready to go. Taylor made for a playoff run. 
And that's where the focus has to be for next season. You have to make the playoffs. And quite honestly, if you're not looking for other coaches at this point, that means there's just as much pressure next season on Matt Eberflus as there is Ryan Poles. Of course. Ryan Poles has to get to the playoffs next season. Mm-hmm. You could have changed coaches. You could have done some other things. And we'll see how he handles the quarterback position. But at the moment, it seems like we're leaning towards they may keep Justin Fields. If he runs everything back, you have to make the playoffs next season or else Poles is going to be on the hot seat just with Eberflus as well. Yeah, because this is you had an opportunity here at one of the better coaching crop available. I mean, there are there are a lot of guys out there who yeah. have head coaching experience and who have won mm-hmm. previously who are available at this moment. Now, there's a lot of now them. Now, listen, I'll say names and people will be like, well, he's going here and he's going here. Mike Vrabel's available. I don't care if he if he's going to end up in in uh, in New England or not. You go and you talk to him. Bill Belichick might be available. I don't care if he's going to end up in Washington or not. You go talk to him. Dan I know- Quinn uh, is likely to go somewhere as a head coach. Yeah, Dan He's Quinn's defensive available. coordinator for the Cowboys. He seems to be available. I know Pete Carroll is saying that they mutually parted ways and he's going to go to the front office, but you can make a phone call. It doesn't stop you from making a phone call. Yeah. Nick Saban's now available. Oh, oh please. <laughs> Nick Saban. And we'll, we'll, we'll carve out two minutes for you to... Uh, I need more than two. Okay, we'll, we'll carve great, out some time. It's this just, is the greatest coach of all time. No, I know. We'll address it. I, I just know here Not on right a, now. Uh, a Bears uh, Wednesday, uh, the day of the end of the season press conferences, we, can, we can't get Listen, to it in the A block here. I understand so. that the A block, the B block, the C block is not for me. The D block is for me. Song of the Night, Zoo News, Nick Saban. <laughs> and Nick Saban, yes. So we'll, we'll get to it tonight here on ESPN 1000. It's Blackie Abdallah. If you want to join the conversation, you can call us at 312-332-3776. When you heard Ryan Paul say this about Jim Harbaugh, what did, what did it make you feel? No, I haven't talked to Jim. Ryan, did, why, why is this? Coach of Michigan. He was not a consideration. You didn't, you didn't see him as a... No, yeah. like I said, we're, we're going with Matt, and uh, I'll give you the reasons why. Um, I think go through, you know, I didn't, I didn't go talk to anybody. Keith in St. Paul, Minnesota, listening on the ESPN Chicago app. What do you think, Keith? Hey, how's it going, fellas? We're good, man. What's up? I'm good. Yeah, I was able to tap in on a uh, press conference, and there's just two things I wanted to point out. Is that, you know, just basically reiterating right from where you guys just left off, is that the indictment of not even trying to look at better coaching. And um, the, the, the stubbornness and the, the, the self-assurity of the tone when he, you know, praises Matt Eberflus and not contacting Jim is just kind of damning, you know. And it, and it really sucks as a fan to know that we're not even trying to explore all options when at the same time they keep saying we're trying to explore all options. So it just gets to the point where it's like, you know, I really don't appreciate, you know, the, the – the playfulness that they're doing with the words. But the main thing that I think was most alarming to um, with this press conference outside of, you know, the Justin Fields saga is the fact that Matt Eberflus so comfortably said that there's no such thing as too many corners in pass rushers. Yeah. Now, I can totally respect that. Well, after that Green Bay game and the entire – Honestly, the, the 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 foundation of Chicago's issues since Cutler left was the ineptitude of our O line, and and it's just like it, it's just I mean it's it's just 
it's really damning and bewildering and most importantly asinine to make a bold statement like that when we really need like at least two to three guys on our O line. So, you know, to make a statement like that, and I mean, it was just like, wow, man, you know, it, there's no identity. You know, we're going to keep going, throwing shots at getting defensive caliber guys, but at the end of the day, we have to score points. And to be so comfortable to say that you didn't want to interview somebody or anyone, you know, about this position, and the fact that he was having a presser next to Matt, I just don't like that either. Like, this isn't a, a, a girls' club, you know, like, do this on your own, have the integrity and maturity to speak from your own voice and not have to have this guy next to your hip, you know, go through this. Everybody should have been on their own. The way Kevin Warren articulated, you know, his ideals, insights, you know, his creed almost as to what yeah. he needs Chicago to do to win was amazing. But, you know, the fact that we couldn't get that standalone just delivery, I just didn't like it. You know, I feel like I'm a part of a boys club. You know, well, not me because it's not really what I wanted, but I'm in the car. I'm going to enjoy the ride regardless. But it's just like, man, you know, to not even want to interview another candidate for the coaching. And then all right, I'm going to try to wrap it up here. But with the offensive coordinating thing, when they said we need to um, see what these folks are going to say about our four potential quarterbacks, you know, yeah. because they said it, there's a possibility there could be four, three guys, including Justin, that's what I feel, not four. But anyways, it also just shows that we still don't have an identity for offense. Yeah, It's not like, you know, our head coach is saying, I need a coordinator to come here, do this, this is what I like what we did, you know, this year, this is what was successful. We didn't hear none of that. We just simply heard that, oh, Justin Fields took care of the ball a little bit better. There was some progressions, which was true, but it just wasn't – we just didn't hear nothing assurity from the fact that you can never have too many cornerbacks and ed rushers. Man, that's not what I want to hear when our quarterback of the future was literally getting just creamed. You know, and thanks, it was just, thanks, it's just really yep. alarming. We, we got you. Thank you, man. Appreciate the phone thanks call. Thanks a lot, folks. Thanks yeah. a lot. No problem. Yeah, I appreciate you guys taking my time. There's Thank Keith. You. He listens in Minnesota on the ESPN Chicago app. Steve in Elmhurst. You're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Steve? Steve. Steven. Eberflow. Stefan. We go to Stephon. Chris in Gurney. You're on ESPN 1000. Hello, Chris. Hello. I just want to say that I've lost all faith in this ownership. They're fine with getting beat by the Packers every single year and getting embarrassed. They are just in a loop of hiring at the wrong time. They could have started from scratch with everybody, get on the right page. But, again, they're just good with mediocrity and going through the motions. And just, again, those ownerships just want to use the Bears as the piggy bank. Thanks, Chris. That's all I got to say. Thanks for the phone call. We go to Dennis in Colorado on the ESPN Chicago app. What's up, Dennis? Good evening. Thank you. Um, it seems like the offensive coordinator is the most immediate uh, need that has to be addressed. And I'm wondering if somebody like Andrew Luck might be interested in uh, reentering pro football in that capacity. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. For like an Last offensive skill, coordinator position, is that what you're looking for? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as, the, as the as problem I would have with that is he's not coaching, and I don't want someone who's a first-timer. Yeah. So maybe a quarterback coach. 
Yeah, maybe. Thanks for the call, Dennis. Appreciate you listening on the ESPN Chicago I mean, app. I want someone like I. I have the same criteria that I did for head coach before we knew that Matt Eberflus was coming back. Right. I want someone who's done this before. I still believe that they're because of their connection. It's going to be they're going to look strongly at Frank Reich. Uh, who was with Iberflus was with him when he was with the Colts, and people will say, "Oh my God, look what he did with the Panthers last year." Okay, he wanted C.J. Stroud. His owner went behind his back, called up Nick Saban, had a phone uh, conversation with him about Bryce Young, and ended up saying, "You have to take Bryce Young to their GM." Then, and he didn't want Stroud. Yeah. So that's not on Frank Reich. Okay. The other one is now that. Pete Carroll is moving up to the front office for the Seahawks. That entire staff has been told, go look for jobs because we don't know what the next head coach is going to want. So Shane Waldron from the Seahawks. People have promoted him. I would take him too. I think he's a good one. And then you get into the Arthur Smiths. No, thank you. Uh, I mean, Greg Roman's been out of the league for a year. But he's yeah. done it before. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Eric Bieniemy's probably, I mean, that staff be, has been let go. So he's a free agent. You wouldn't have to... Because anyone that's already an OC, you have to give them like an assistant head coach title yeah. so they get a promotion. You can't make the lateral move to go from an OC of one team to another to an OC of another team. You can't if the entire uh, group is yeah, fired. Like, 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 like in Washington. Yeah. Yeah. So that could be a possibility. Um, so, and then other guys that have already been fired. Like Ken Dorsey was fired this year. So you could go get Ken Dorsey if you wanted to. Mike and Makanda, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Mike? Hey, how you guys doing? We're good, man. Good. Hey, uh, Abdallah, you're always spot on, man. I really appreciate what you do, and, and Bluck, you, you're you cool, too. But, Thank you. Uh, Your thanks. check is in the mail. I just wanted to stick up for Eberflus a little bit because uh, I think the Bears played, as a team, they played strong, and, and, and they, they never stopped playing all year for him. So, I mean, what was the what was the game where they actually showed like they gave up or they stopped? And I think that goes a long way, you know, when they interview these players and stuff and say, "Hey, what do you guys think of the coach?" And they never stopped playing for him. So I say, give him one more year. If he sucks next year, let him go. But if not, maybe we still got something in him. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Thanks for the phone call. You know, we were able to host uh, a couple shows with TJ Edwards throughout the year, and then also Eddie Jackson the Bears night in Chicago shows that we had on Monday nights. And neither of them said anything off the record to us about Eberflus, but just being around both of them mm-hmm. led me to believe that they really like playing for Matt Eberflus. Oh, that, yeah, That's absolutely. just the impression I got from being around TJ Edwards and then around uh, Eddie Jackson at the start of the season is that they liked playing for Coach Flus. Yeah. I th- that, that's the impression I got. Well, I think that it was also when we talked to Eddie Jackson and he was like, you know, we went in there and said, hey, we want to find ways to get more pressure. Like, have us, have us, you know, blitz more. Have us do this. He was receptive to players and other coaches and that kind of thing. And I think... You know, part of, of he didn't answer whether or not he would call plays next year, but I still think that's on the table for him to call plays. Um, but you're right. Like, there are opportunities, especially last year, when everyone knew on that roster, as soon as they traded Roquan, as soon as they got rid of Khalil Mack, as soon as they got rid of all the dead money and everything, Robert Quinn, all that stuff, like, you knew what you were in for. And the players were still playing for the coach. And this year, too, when they, even when you, when you are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, when you have a 1%, 0.5% chance, whatever, didn't matter. They still went out there and, and performed. They still went out there and beat the Falcons. They still went out there and, and tried to hang with the Packers. This wasn't a – they weren't already planning their vacations in their offseason. 
No, I think I it can, says a lot for Eberflus. I can I can acknowledge that, and then I can also say there there might have been a better head coach out there, though. Like I can understand that the players want to play for Eberflus, but also say schematically, there's probably some better football minds that are available on the open market that could have helped this team going forward. Yeah, but see, that to me is why I want an offensive coordinator who's called plays before. Because I don't need a guy who's learning on the job anymore, right? If Matt Eberflus is going to be the defensive guy, like if this is the opposite of of Nagy, where he didn't have anything to do with the defense and he was only offense, just like Matt Nagy, yeah, he'll meet with guys, but like he's not designing plays and things like that for the offense. I want someone who's done this before, and I want someone who's done it successfully. And like, and even if you look at Frank Reich's already been a head coach before. Oh yeah, like multiple places. So. That, to me, it's someone like that who's called plays before because I don't need this learning on the job like we had with Getsy. Daryl in Homewood, you're on ESPN 1000. Hello, Daryl. Hey, I uh, was calling to say what I took from the press conference was uh, we, uh, the firing of Lou Getsy was kind of an endorsement on uh, with Justin Fields because it sounded like they fired Lou Getsy because he wasn't called the right plays for Justin Fields. <laughs> and if you think about it, uh, DJ Moore was saying that they got an uh, explosive player. Hold on, excuse me. <laughs> Hello? Yeah, we got you, Daryl. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, when he was saying that as far as, as he was going off his players, listening to his players about his coaches, and all the players was uh, – like an Eberfruit, but they was all kind of saying that they think Justin Fields was good enough. It just wasn't the right play caller. So, with that being said, I think they fired Luke Gansky because he wasn't adjusting to Fields. And the players, they thought Fields was good enough. And it sounded like the coach thought Fields was good enough to be a better player. Right. Thanks, Harold. Thanks for the phone call. All right. There he is. There's Daryl in Homewood. Mike in Rockford, you're on ESPN 1000 with Black and Abdallah. What's up, Mike? Yeah, how's it going, guys? Thanks for taking my call. No problem. Um, yeah, so one thing, the debate with Fields and Caleb, right? That's, that's the big thing for us Bears fans. Um, we all talk about the talent that Caleb could, could be. But one thing that we really haven't talked about, or I haven't at least heard, um, is his personality and his characteristic traits. Um, obviously, he has the big Hollywood quotes with some of the demands that his father might have said and things like that. Yeah. But what about some of the stuff his teammates had said, like, after the bowl game, about this not being a one-man show, and now we're a team now? Mm-hmm. Are they kind of throwing him under the bus? And what does that say about him in college could he be? Could he be the man ultimately? Because we all know Phil's character. Everybody talks about great personality, great character, says all the right things. But this kid's saying all the wrong things. It seems like. So where does that put us, and how are we evaluating that part of it? Yeah, Mike. Uh, that's where we we had a conversation with Lance Briggs on Monday night for Bears Night in Chicago. Check it out on the ESPN Chicago podcast. The conversation we were having was with Caleb Williams. You do have to do your, your research on the person and the player. And you got to figure out if he has those diva qualities 
and whether or not the NIL uh, money too young, getting the Heisman a year before he's coming out of uh, college, if all that went to his head and if he's ready to seriously work and become the greatest quarterback in Bears franchise history. Yeah. Like, you have to do that work. The, the flip side to that, like Mike was suggesting, is unfortunately, like, Justin Fields is the best possible leader you could have. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a good person. His teammates love him. He says the right things to the media. He's willing to talk to the media. He, you know, like, things haven't gone his way, and he stands up there. He takes all the arrows, and the Bears have not played well, and he stands up there, and he answers the questions. He is exactly what you're looking for as a leader of a team, as the player. He just hasn't performed on the field to the level for us to say slam dunk he's an elite quarterback you know i will defend caleb williams in this right he hasn't said that he wants ownership of a team right it was a sourced story that was leaked to what si he hasn't said that he wouldn't come to a team if they drafted him first but that's why you have to do the the homework on whether or not he would be like i don't hold it against him either that he cried after a game right it's emotional whatever i don't hold it against him okay what I do hold against him, the one thing I do hold against him is the fact that he wouldn't talk to the media after a game. That's what I hold against him. I, as a USC fan, to me, it seemed like it was all orchestrated. It seemed like to That's, me the okay. moment that he realized he wasn't going to have a shot at a next Heisman or the national title, that it became the me show. And he wanted to make people know and be aware of how bad he was hurt that he wasn't going to get a chance to try and continue playing for a national title. That's fine. Like, I get it. Players cry on the field all the time. All they the win, time. lose, they cry. I get it. I just think you're right. The not speaking to the media after bad games and the way he's kind of handled some of that stuff, it just was kind of funny. Like, here's the thing. As a USC fan, athletically and, like, what he accomplished, he's essentially the best quarterback that's ever played for the school. I don't have some undying love for Caleb Williams, though. Like, I'm, I'm okay when Man, the season if, comes around next. If like, you loved Caleb Williams the way you love Sam Darnold. Well, like, Darnold was the comeback <laughs> kid. He was, a, he was a guy that took a bad team I know. and bailed them out time after time. And he had a horrific coach, and he bailed his ass out time after time. So, like, there's, there's different ways to go about it. I mean, think about the other arc of a, a USC quarterback. Um Matt Barkley came to school as a true freshman, went to Ohio State, and won a game on the road against a ranked opponent against Ohio State, mm-hmm. something that doesn't happen usually you know, in Big, Big Ten football. Go in there as a true freshman and beat the mighty Ohio State. This is back before true freshmen were always starting for, for colleges. And then he was hyped as like the next it guy. Yeah. His junior and senior year didn't go as planned, and Matt Barkley never turned out to be the quarterback that he was. But, like, he was super hyped because of what he accomplished. Like, Caleb Williams was a transfer in who, like, was all about him, and that's just the vibe that he gave But off. Caleb could go into these meetings and be like, look, I was dumb. It's very transactional, I you was, know? Yeah, but he could go in and say, look, I was dumb. I made some dumb decisions in college. Like, I didn't, you know, respect the team, and I didn't, but, like, I'm ready to work. I'm ready to do everything. And, like, even Lance And if Briggs, he's all about it and he's willing to do it, then, yeah, let's go. And what did Lance say to us? When he comes in... The guys will respect him because yeah. odds are, guess what? They spent a first-round pick on him, and he's going to be there a lot longer than some of the guys on that roster. Absolutely. He'll probably be there longer than the coaches, too. Black and Abdallah. You're listening to Black and Abdallah. ESPN Chicago. 
You're listening to Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Follow the show on Twitter at Chris Black and at Adam A. Abdallah. Earlier today at Hallis Hall, Bears management talked to the media. You heard from Ryan Poles, Bears GM. You heard from Matt Eberflus. And also Kevin Warren spoke to the media. He had a lot to say. He was very uh, good in the time that he spoke. I, I like listening to Kevin Warren talk to the media because it's he has a plan. He's good at articulating his plan. He seems professional. He seems like a level of an executive that we don't always get in this city. Or top three market, major city, one of the greatest cities in the world. But sometimes our management level types who run these teams and ownership groups, and sometimes there's a lot to be left to desire uh, when it comes to the way they handle the media and they handle their, their fans, because that's essentially what today is about, is the Bears had a chance to talk to their fans for the first time after the season ended. Kevin mm-hmm. Warren was up there, and I thought he was outstanding. Uh, something that caught my ear. What intrigues Kevin Warren about the South lot? Now, they're talking about the stadium, whether or not they'll be in Arlington Heights, whether or not they're looking in Chicago. The question was, what intrigues you about the South lot? Intrigues me about the, I mean, it's not necessarily the South lot. What intrigues me uh, about downtown is I, I strongly believe Chicago is the finest city in all of the world. I mean, very rarely you, do you get an opportunity to have such a beautiful downtown with a vibrant business community, with an absolutely beautiful lake and the energy that, that goes along. And so I, I always focus on, you know, what's a way that we could, you know, bring together the beauty of the lake, the beauty of downtown, the business community, all the art exhibits uh, to bring that together for an environment. Because it's always about the fans. How, how can we create an environment that they really enjoy? And not only on our game days. But also from art, from food, um, um, just from music, and uh, I, I, you know, I live downtown. I love the city, and I just think we're we're blessed to be able to live in a city like Chicago. And so it has many pluses, and uh, and so I'm I'm just a big proponent of the Chicagoland area. I'm a big proponent of Arlington Heights, but there's something that's really special about uh, downtown Chicago. So Abdallah, when you were listening to Kevin Ward speak earlier today. They own the property in Arlington Heights. Mm-hmm. It sounds like to me that each day that passes, that that's kind of not really where they're going to build the stadium. That it's going to take place in the city of Chicago. It could be. Um, it could also still be used as a leverage piece, though. You know, uh, like when you start negotiating with the city, because the goal of this is still to own your own stadium, right? Like you're not doing this and having the park district still own the stadium because the value of your franchise increases immensely the second you own your own stadium. And so if they go to the city and they go, hey, we want to look at the south lot, we want to look over closer you know, to the highway off of Congress right there, like something over there, um, you know, in that area, like anything in the city, if the city starts to play hardball with them, they go, okay, well, we own the land in Arlington, so we can just go there. You know, like it's still, I think it's still somewhat in play. I think they'd like to stay in the city, obviously. Um, you know, you and I went to U.S. Bank Stadium uh, in Minneapolis, the one that he helped bit, build, and that's in Minneapolis. You can walk to it from downtown. It's yeah. right there. It's a beautiful stadium. It's gorgeous. Um, so I think that he knows how to work with a major city and get a stadium built. But I think that, you know, there's nothing. I, I don't think there's nothing to tell me that Arlington is completely out of play just yet. 
I don't know. I just uh, the vibes that I get is that they want to be in Chicago. And I, I think yeah. a lot of fans, you know, like we're talking five, six months ago, a lot of fans thought that the team would be moving from the downtown area, which would allow, you know, less traffic. It'd be an easier commute for those who live in the suburbs who are going to go and, and see a Bears game. So I think there are a lot of people that are pretty, uh, pretty excited, pretty happy that this was going to be the case. Uh, so I, I think it's interesting that the more that we hear about this stadium situation, especially from Kevin Warren, is that it sounds like the option of staying downtown in Chicago is still real, and it's still something that's definitely in play. Okay, here you go, Abdallah. This is, uh, this is going to be the highlight for you today. We now go to Jesse Rogers on ESPN 1000. Hello, Jesse. I swear to God. What's happening? What's Hello, up, Jesse? Boy? What? Hello, what boy. The, hold on. What in the hell could you possibly want with everything going on today? And you know, Jesse, I love you. You're a great teammate. I love working with you. But what in the hell could you possibly bring to the table right now? Same as I did 24 hours oh ago, but more God. definitively, more definitively now, Shota Imanaga is in agreement. Four years, $53 billion. There's some opt-outs and team options and things after the second and third year. But four years and 53 is, is much less than a lot of people thought he was going yeah, to get. Yeah, that's a lot cheaper. Yeah. So this is, uh, you know, a Jed Hoyer special waited out. Uh, I don't think the market was quite there necessarily for Imanaga, and the Cubs are able to pounce. Good lefty, though. Um, uh, he's got a deceptive fastball. He'll do well. He'll do well. Um, but the deal is pretty good for the club, considering what a lot of people predicted he'd get. It could be $80 million after uh, the second year, uh, it could be eighty million over five. The team has the option to do that after the second year. So if he's going well after a couple years, they could extend him out to five years and eighty million. Otherwise, Imanaga could become a free agent. So there's things like that involved. But the bottom line is four years and fifty three guaranteed. I can and, see the the headlines on ESPN right now. You've got Saban retired, Carroll out as Seahawks coach, <laughs> Eberflus back as Bears coach, and right there, Imanaga, right there. This is break. I think you should break into NBA Live. Yeah, will Wilbon let you on? I, I'm surprised uh, Bristol even knows that he's a free agent, right? To be honest with you, so Jesse, I, I, uh, think, I think it's going to be way down on the waiver wire. Or uh, whatever just, the wire. In, just in time for the Cubs convention this weekend, right? Yes, they will unveil him on Friday, literally, because they don't have anybody else to unveil. And uh, yeah, he'll do the media stuff on Friday, and at least they have some. Uh, you know, a, a shiny object to, to bring in front of the crowd. Are they getting uh, Bellinger or not? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to say I'm, I'm leaning more towards yes than I ever have been. Okay. Because just like, just like this market, I don't think the market has grown the way that Scott Boris has hoped for Bellinger and Jed might pounce on a smaller deal, just like he did here. All right. Jesse, uh, what time go. are you coming into studio on Friday? I am coming in whenever Adam Abdallah tells me. So see how I, I didn't know you were coming in on Friday because I, you didn't text me about it. He's coming in on you Friday. You texted Carmen about it. You didn't text me about I, it. This I'm this a part of the show. I'm he's coming you, in on I'm, Friday. I'm showing you some respect right here on the air. <laughs> All right. What time is the convention? It's at three thirty. I have to be there. All right. So let's do like three o'clock. Okay, I'll that, be there. That's the Waddle and Sylvie <laughs> show. Oh three, yeah, wrong show. Yeah, three wrong show. No, three o'clock. No, we want Jesse at twelve fifteen. No. One o'clock. We'll see you at one. <laughs> Thank you, right, Jesse. I got, bear, I got Bears thoughts. I'll save them oh, for yes. Friday. All right. All right. Save them for right, Friday. Jesse, yeah, we'll talk to you later. Yeah. There he is. There's Jesse Rogers with breaking Cubs news. Swear that God. He's confirming from last night.
Uh, Bob and Juliet, you're on ESPN 1000. Hello, back to Bears. What's up, Bob? Hi. Um, riddle me this, Abdallah. Um, regarding Eberflus, mm-hmm. why were the Bears so unprepared coming into the season? That's number one. Number two, I listened to you guys Monday. I, I, I listened to the games on the radio uh, on your uh, flagship. So, you know, I heard Lance say, hey, all these receivers for the Packers for Jordan Love were 10, you know, no one, no defender was within them from 10 yards. Sure. This is more Eber, Eberflus, un, uh, in, uh, unprepared. Um, in my opinion, the Bears, even now and in the past, have just hired a bunch of yes men. Just go with the flow, no pushback. We want middle of the fairway, no personalities, and that goes on, uh, continues to go on. Point number four, in my opinion, after seeing what Mark Cuban did a week ago with taking on a partner for a whole, um, um, not just basketball operations, but gambling, all that stuff, I think... um, uh, Kevin Warren is in over over his head. He doesn't know how to do that. You need that in Arlington Heights. Mm-hmm. It's already set here in Chicago. That's probably why he's favoring Chicago. Any comments on those four points? Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Bob. What do you think, Abdal? I think Bob is alluding to the players not playing in the preseason. I don't think had that had anything to do with how bad they started the regular season. I just don't think they were good. Simple as that. just don't think they were good. They weren't a good team. I don't think... I don't think Justin Fields playing more in the preseason would have had anything to do. I do think the the coaching plan was was not good heading into week one. Yeah, yeah. That Packers game, they, they had a flawed game plan. But that has and, nothing and to the do the with them playing in the Getsy. preseason. And Getsy's gone. Of course he is. But yeah, I don't I don't think actually playing snaps in the preseason really has a lot to do with it. But I think the game plan wasn't great heading into that first Packers yeah. game. We have the song of the night coming up next. Black and Abdallah, ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Listen to the show in HD at 100.3 HD2 FM. today, not only from the Chicago Bears, but then in college football, Nick Saban decides to retire. Nick Saban has won seven national titles. He's won the most national championships in college football history. Uh, That's one more than Bear Bryant. And he won six at Alabama. He had won one previously at LSU, stepping away from college football. So we have a lot to get to, a lot of football to talk about tonight, not only with the Chicago Bears. We'll take your calls at 312-332-3776. But Coach Saban leaving Alabama. Yeah, I mean, the best the best head coach uh, in college football history. Uh, he had more first-round draft picks than losses at, uh, at Alabama. He never lost. He only lost five games by 14 or more points while at Alabama. And uh, I think the biggest thing he did is is develop players into NFL players, which is what you're supposed to do as a college football head coach, right? Like you turn these these boys into men, as they say, right? And uh, you never, someone had a great quote on Twitter, there's been so many, that you never heard of a, an Alabama player coming into the NFL as being, quote, raw. Mm-hmm. 
Like they were always developed. Like he was never. It never looked like Saban. Like yeah, he won. He lost a bunch of games or a few games, but never looked like overmatched. And like Saban was always the 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 X factor, right? Well, this team might be better, but Alabama has Saban, and he'll find a way. Now he didn't in the last few years of the playoffs, but six championships uh, in seventeen years at Alabama. Uh, crazy run for Nick Saban, and uh, now it's uh, it's on to the next for Alabama. And there's some rumors out there of who might be. We've got some big names, some not-so-big names. I would like Dan Lanning. That's been the rumors out there from people that Alabama's making a big push at, at uh, Oregon's head coach, Dan Lanning. Luke Getze's looking for a gig. Luke Getze can kick rocks. He can go oh, back and be okay. a quarterback's coach somewhere else. Okay. Um, I but, just uh, uh, offering him up. But, uh, no, I mean, honestly, the, the best to ever do it. You and I went to Alabama a few years ago. It was one of the best nights ever. Like, they, they beat the crap out of LSU. It was awesome. Um, just what he created. Like, there's been multiple stories about the value of Nick Saban to Alabama and what he generated in revenue from the football program, but also how many people wanted to go to school there because of the football team and what he's meant to that state and what he's meant to that school. Um, And it's, yeah, I'm, I'm just glad he didn't do a retirement tour. So glad he didn't do the coach K and every game you got to hear about Nick Saban retiring, go out like this, Call it a, a career, and, uh, you know, congrats on retirement. Each night around 6.50, we like pl- to play for you the song of the night. I want to rock! Hey, turn up the volume and don't touch that dial because dial. it's time for... What dial? There's, there's no dial on my phone. Yeah, it's just an... Exp- ah, never mind. Crank the volume because it's time for Black and Abdallah's Song of the Night. Yo, later. Tonight's song. We go to the Gin Blossom. Hey, Jealousy. 25 uh, it's about a guy who shows up to his ex's house too drunk to drive and asks if he could spend the night. And she kind of has to, to let him because he can't really drive anywhere uh, as he is. Uh, but the Jim Blossoms did sing a lot about alcohol because um, their lead singer had a, a drinking problem. Oh, well, well, that's nice. Yeah. Huh. Isn't it? Oh, as long as you're They're called right? the Jim Blossoms. I mean, sure. Well, you know, they, they were in this group of uh, artists in the 90s that was like soft rock. Mm-hmm. Slash songs that could be used for like theme songs for uh, 
shows dramas on like Fox. Oh yeah, like they, like I, for some reason I know that they're not the ones that sang the the song for the Party of Five theme. Yeah, but like they always remind me of a band that would be playing on Party of Five. Absolutely. This also like now you can just hear this song and like your jewel. Well, yeah. Like it's not, it's safe, it's soft rock. Like it's it's a good song. Like it's a it's a very good song. It's a very good like pop rock song. You know? Dude, do you um, remember Party of Five? Yeah, of course I remember Party of Five. That was a good show. That was um, what's her face? Um, Nev Campbell, Jennifer uh, Love Hewitt, Jennifer Love Hewitt. That's Scott what I was thinking Wolf, of. Yeah, Matthew Fox. Yeah, a lot of good actors and actresses in that. Absolutely. Show. Yeah, this would definitely be featured in like a uh, right, like a uh, like a Friends recap montage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Like the end of the show, and it's it's this is the song that they play. Although Friends didn't really have montages in them. No, but like at the end, you know, like when the season's over, or like when the show is over, and they're doing like the re- like the clip show, and like you know the se- the show is over. They're and doing it's like a the recap. Final episode of the se- of the series ever. Yeah, they do a recap, and this is like the song. This is the type of song they would play. Is this what we're going to use for our show when it's when it's done? When it's done? No, yeah. absolutely not. This will be for our clip show. No, no, we will not use this song for our clip show. <laughs> We'll use, uh, it'll have to be Nickelback or something. It'll be, look at this photograph. The Gin Blossoms, Hey Jealousy, from 93. It's your song of the night. Turn up the volume and don't touch that dial because it's time for... What dial? There's, there's no dial on my phone. Yeah, it's just an... Ex- ah, never mind. Crank the volume because it's time for Black and Abdallah's Song of the Night. Yo, later. We're talking more Bears football with you in two minutes. You're listening to Black and Abdallah. ESPN Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports.